Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Love Talk Radio. Great joy and good afternoon, my friend. The Nepalese Meditation Bowl is chiming, centering your mind and delight on the art of the CEO. The show that brings you the most fascinating and really the most helpful leaders in the business community from around our terrestrial orb. I am Bart Jackson, the Hieronymus Bosch of business. And have you ever wondered what kind of business climate you'd find if you put all the risk takers in one place? What if you collected and isolated on one island an elite group of wild-eyed, risk-all, prospecting entrepreneurs? Then you added another group of oppressed poor convict laborers who were all finally given their first opportunity to go somewhere, then pour in another hefty dose of corporate venturing companies who have a track record for sailing the globe and bringing home high-profit resources. Well, my friend, history and the good Lord's creative hand have brought this case study into very, very real life on the island of Tasmania. Yes, Tasmania. I and five other venturing buddies have just returned from a month in Australia, the better part of which was spent exploring the wild wonders and even the wilder folks of this enchanted island. Now, Tasmania hangs like a, a joyous teardrop, like a great jewel in an Aborigine's ear from the uh, southeastern tip of the Australian continent, and just a bit smaller than England, 26,000 square miles. It sports about a mere half million people, a mere, uh, absolutely fascinating souls. Souls like, for instance, Max and Lorraine Cross. Now, Max and Lorraine came to Tasmania from mainland Australia about 30 years ago. They staked out a plot of land in the northeast corner near Smithtown, and for years they struggled to make a go of dairy farming. And it was a struggle, and no farmer's received subsidies there, and it was tough to ship, and in short, it it was not working. So what does a Tasmanian couple do when they're imprisoned in a profitless business? Well, they break out and they reinvent. Uh, Lorraine and Max saw, Tasma- saw that Tasmania's real new gold was coming from tourism. So they put their backs back into the land, and they created Allendale Gardens, and it is an absolute oasis of nature run riot, guaranteed to haunt and bring tranquility to your aching soul. Imagine yourself wandering across the cross's path through 65 acres of premortal rainforest, 12-foot bat-wing ferns causing canopy overhead, through which poke giant eucalyptus trees a couple of hundred feet tall, moss swarms over all, and life is regenerating new from old. The life, the the distance the, between life and death blurs, and the little 
planted fairies that the crosses have put there just sort of seem to fit right in very tastefully. And then you emerge into from the forest into 12 romantically edited acres of landscape gardens, lush, small arch bridges over gentle streams, rampant colors of roses, hydrangeas, you name it, of complete with, naturally, peacocks, both blue and albino. You meander as if you're in a dream, and you come back from nature, sip tea from a bone-white china cup in their tea house. In short, Max and Lorraine, instead of providing milk, now provide inspiring beauty and the gift of refreshed spirit in a business that's like so much of Tasmania defies quick categorization. Uh, And they are really but just a brief and tempting nosh of all the feast of ventures and venturers that fill this island, which I hope to bring you a small taste of today. Really, if you're like most folks, the only thing you know about Tasmania is the cartoon devil of Taz, uh, the Tasmanian devil. But allow me to open your eyes, shall we say, to some further deviltries. So whether you are a radio museum docent helping to build your old volunteer station to the prominence it deserves, like James, or whether you, you are a lifelong guide taking the adventurous folks deep into the realms of nature's wildest environs from Antarctic to rainforest, like Bill, pull your chair up a little closer, join our Feast of Wisdom, all carefully cuisined to make your career thrive and your adventures flourish. But before we bring you any deeper into the unique wilds of Tasmanian business, folks, allow me now to fulfill my duties as proper host and lay before you a few utensils for furthering today's feast. And as a first utensil, as I always do, allow me to remind each of you hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of yourself. Now, since that's really the most important uh, job you'll ever hold in your career, allow me to ask, will this be the day that you turn your head away from all the folks around you and stop using the accomplishments of others as a yardstick? Or will you continue to ignore your own true power, the power that lies within, and validate yourself on the size of your co-worker's swimming pool? (laughs) The choice, my friend, is truly yours. And as a second utensil, I sense you yearning to steep your lips into a little laughter, so let's taste a scriptural recitation from the 102 Best Business Quips book, and I have it here in front of me, and hold on. Okay, here we are, here we are. This is number 71. Every corporate policy springs from two motivations, the one that makes the company look good and the one that makes the company profits. (laughs) And as an afterthought, You know, it's really interesting that the more rapaciously destructive a company is, the more money and effort they seem to spend on appearing humane and concerned. Now, obviously, it's vital for a firm to garner profits and at least appear to be a good community neighbor. But, you know, maybe, just maybe, actually being a good, caring neighbor for clients and all around you might involve a lot less sweat and cost than keeping up a false facade. Just a thought. And if you smirked a bit at that quip, we have them literally by the 
books full. Just visit BartsBooks.com, that's B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S.com, and pick up your copy of 102 Best Business Quips. You'll have a whole fingertip arsenal of smugly cleverized witticisms that are going to uh, bring forth a chortle a little day's cheer from all your chain gang fellows at work. So, and as a third utensil, I think we should appropriately entitle this utensil the prawn prying knife. Uh, we proffer you the answer to last week's business quotation. Now, that is the name of the author who said, there's no pleasure in having nothing to do. The fun is in having lots to do and not doing it. <laughs> Those words were spoken by none other than the seventh president of the United States and one of the busiest individuals ever to take that office, General Andrew Jackson. And later on in the show, stick with us because blurting your way comes another enriching quotation. And if you are among the learned souls who knows the author of that quote, simply scribble that sage's name down as you believe him or her to be and email it right off to info at bartsbooks.com. That's info at B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S dot com. And if you're correct, your knowledge will earn you a marvelous gift freshly disemboweled from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. So, with utensils in hand, uh, let's drop down under a mere 2,800 miles from the South Pole and delve back into the business folks of wild Tasmania. And as we do, uh, allow me to quickly introduce my traveling buddies that went with me on this jaunt. One was Alan Wilson, who's sort of the wry musician and professional statistician whose favorite saying was, when all else fails, manipulate the data. We brought his, we, coming with us was his wife, wife Lillian, who's a nerve who, a nurse who deftly bandaged this klutz when I fell off a mountain. But more importantly, she displayed some irresponsible irrepressible, good cheer, which bandaged over all the tensions that arose. And of course, you need a librarian, so we have my good wife, Lorraine, who brings that sense of wonder and appreciation of beauty to other people's achievements. And that's something that made us all more joyful. There was Susan Henry, a former cartographer, with a probing mind and a, and a cartographic absolute sense, passion for detail and precision and and that all laid smooth every little detail and, and enriched our treks immensely. And also her husband, Doug Henry. And if you friends out there are near retirement, you would do well to follow Doug's lead. Doug was a, a notably inventive engineer, highly ranked manager, who retired from his paying job. But he carries his passion for the way things work far past his paycheck days. He maintains a loving exploration into everything from the newest system for fighting brush fires to right up to the latest computerization for governing outer space telescopes. Doug delves in, pursuing and sharing his knowledge with a passion. And so all you boomers out there who are facing career end, take note and take a lesson from Doug. And now the next Tasmanian lady I absolutely have to have you meet is Kyla Davy. Sail through Hell's Gate into McConaughey Bay and there on a little windswept Isle of Land you will flamboyantly find Kyla as expertly plying her trade as tour guide over the 
infamous Sarah Island. Now, we're going to drop back a bit in history on Sarah Island because we have uh, in this little spit of Tasmania uh, a way of teaching a very vital business parable. So stick with me. Listen and learn, all you CEOs. In 1822, Sarah Island was set up established to, quote, to be a renowned place of discipline and labor, the place that every convict would fear, unquote. And believe me, they did. They called the surrounding harbor and the isle itself Hell's Gate. The convicts were dumped there under this windlash set of land. The guards and the commandant were absolute sadistic bullies. They even developed a special catanine lash that was so heavy and thick that 35 lashes had, had been known to kill a man. And in 1825 uh, alone, over 9,000 lashes were doled out. Scurvy, malnutrition, dysentery, and again, the sadism of the commandant and soldiers made it a place of, as was, as the assistant surgeon said, utmost desperation, depravity, and woe. Convicts literally killed fellow inmates so uh, they might be executed and find release from this place. And then, then, by 1828, the lashing stops, the tapes, the escape stopped, and new barracks were built. What was the change? Well, it was no accident that the British had chosen Sarah Island. This little isle was rich in the most valued timber then known. Huon pine grew tall, straight, strong as oak, but with a, as fine a grain as American chestnut or maple. It was also rich in oils that made it immune to rot, just like cedar. It was ideal for shipbuilding. And the inmates were originally supposed to harvest this timber and send it back, free slave labor. But they were so wretchedly beaten, and the less they produced, the more they were beating them. Until 1828, enter shipwright David Hoy and an American entrepreneur. They came in and everything began to turn around. The men were treated well, they were given good food, and they got better conditions, good almost dormitory-style living for the, for the uh, skilled laborers. And because... Why? Because it was good for business. They turned this into a business. And within a year, Sarah Island became a major and very profitable shipyard uh, until its closing in 1833. So there's a little parable for you, my managerial folks, who think that industrial slavery is going to increase your revenue. Treat them well and watch the, be surprised by the production. At any rate, Kylie is still carrying on the tour tradition of her father in a way that lures every visitor. She presents this whole chilling tale as a mystery and enchants people. And she now she's carrying on the tradition of her father, who was a great scholar, Richard Davy, a great tour master and scholar of Sarah Island. So much so that when he passed, as he recently did, what did she do with her dad's ashes? Well, in the full Tasmanian style, she put them in a cannon and shot them out across the island and out into the roaring 40s sea. <laughs> and that is Tasmania 
in a nutshell. So if you have just joined us, you are listening to The Art of the CEO, which every Tuesday at 2 p.m. streams magically through the mightily misunderstood realms of cyberspace, where you may listen and download it by visiting blogtalkradio.com slash the art of the CEO. Or if you want to tap into each show and find a little more thoroughly about the, the guests and the people we, of whom we speak, simply visit theartoftheceo.com. Now, and there is another uh, couple that I'd like you to, to meet from Tasmania, Paul and Kate Gegg. They're two, and also they're two kids. They're currently living in the store in a corner of a store building that they've just purchased and are fixing up in the fascinating mountain village of Derby. Now, in back in the 19th century, Derby and towns like Zeehan and and Rosebury were great uh, mining towns. Tasmania is blessed with uh, silver, gold, tin, zinc. And from the mantle of the earth below in this volcanic isle, it is a rich, rich mineral source. And Derby became the tin capital. But as will happen, uh, the veins petered out, the prospectors took off, and the small town was left. But uh, so again, what does Derby do? Well, they found a new source of riches, bicycles. They're standing near really amid the the blue tier mountains in in Tasmania's northeast corner uh, are hills that are grindingly steep. So what do you do? Well, you make it a bicycling challenge. The town entrepreneurs laid out the, what they call the Blue Derby and with very difficult, but not quite impossible, mountain biking and road biking trails. It's so challenging that it's going to host the Enduro World Series in 2017. Paul and Kate saw this. They came from the Australia mainland several months ago, and they're setting up the hub, a bike shop where you can uh, keep your legs churning with the right gear and also relax with excellent pizza and Tasmanian beer. Now, here's the key. The entire town gets behind the, uh, this bicycle mania. And it's, they don't just sell them. In Boulder, Colorado, the bike capital of the USA, it's all crass commercialism. Here it is. We got lots of stuff, everything you need. Buy and get out. In Derby, the whole town transforms with artistic and historic bicycles uh, hanging over doorways on lampposts. There's a museum. There are write-ups. Everybody wants to come and just walk it. Do you see the difference? You see the difference. Uh, all right. Now, it's, it's, with all of this racing at you, it's time to take a brief sorbet from this Feast of Wisdom and allow me to introduce to you the company by whose good graces we're here today. That company is Prometheus Publishing, creator of, among other divisions, Bart's Books Ultimate Business Guides. And so this very day, Prometheus Publishing uh, invites you to look at one of its books, which have helped a great many women in their careers. The title is, Behind Every Successful Woman is Herself. And truly it is. This gem of a guide embraces the thoughts of leading business women 
from all over the globe. It provides techniques and disciplines and all the important attitudes for those ladies who want their career and their ventures to thrive and make their way. It, it's an ideal gift for the graduate who's on her way into the business community or anyone else changing jobs or perhaps for you yourself. So pick up a copy at bartsbooks.com bookstore. That's B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S dot com. And you will find yourself on the way to a richer and a lot more fun way of work. And speaking of fun and ways of work and perhaps a little wisdom, let's swing back down under under for um, another look at Tasmania, the vibrant island in Australia's southernmost state and one of the most scenic places, mile for mile, you would ever want to visit. Now, I talked about the bicycle marketing. Let's Let's talk about how Tasmania with its great natural assets, has gone about marketing itself. Most people who tour there come by tour bus or by car. It's a road trip for for most of them. So, in, in the town is uh, the the island is filled with parks, and they're beautifully arranged. Every little park, no matter how vest pocket it is, has a kiosk with fascinating stories. Stories that charm. How Anne chased a lost cow and survived eight horrifying days pursued by winter and Tasmanian tigers. And at each of these centers, there's a bit of charm and history. And every one of them has, regardless of how long the paths or arduous the hike, they also have at least one 15 to 20 minutes circular to some spectacular view through a rainforest up to giant eucalyptus or perhaps a fall of waterfalls as well as longer climbs. It's beautifully put together and the souvenirs for the most part are pure Tasmanian, not stuff, cheap stuff made in China. No offense to Chinese, but you see what I'm saying. These people take pride in what they do. And they advertise them in each town. Pamphlets and inflow centers abound, and they tell these things. And the people themselves know of the places. And it's sort of a way of putting out what you've got with pride. And you sense that. And that, my friend, is the ultimate marketing. And also... The land retains its own prominence. Humankind seems to know that there is that he's placed there. Houses, like the people in the trees, each one is different. They're uniquely built. In the city, owners have, uh, they may have included a lovely Victorian gingerbread, all of their own style. But outside the town, the houses remain low and small and somewhat squat, as if they're sort of apologizing for man's effrontery at poking into the inspiring, tranquil wilderness. So there you go, and you go out into its beaches and its mountains, and you find yourself alone by people who have encouraged and and made way for you to be there. And don't even get me started on how beautiful their trails are. Now, another business oddity uh, that comes from this land of rugged individuals uh, 
is is the way Tasmanians seem to find their work. And unlike uh, the, the very professional U.S. of A., Tasmanians don't box themselves into categories. They're really far less likely to call themselves a marketing specialist or a programmer. Um, instead, Tasmanians sort of look around their island, they look at their land, and they then they look at themselves and they say, well, what's going to work here? So in 1984, Alan Woodbury sat down on Highway A3, a road, roadside, just sat there, right out, about 30 minutes outside of the uh, town of St. Helens, a port town, fairly bustling, and he spent the entire week sitting there counting cars. And he decided that this would be the perfect place to found uh, his own a shop in the bush. And he took it and he filled it with all the things that reminded one of Tasmania and of the Victorian grace that filled the earlier part of the island and, and all Australia. He filled it with antiques of the most bizarre sort, uh, old books with photos that talked about everything from Aborigine to bush rangers, jewelry, ancient telescopes, records, and it was it's a fascinating haunt. Today, his son Ben runs the store, uh, and Alan's wife, by the way, uh, while Alan's off running the store, and son, she wrote a book, Beauty Tips for Ladies Over 60. I absolutely love it. And they, they find ways, the people of Tasmania, find ways that will work in little, in whatever the niche is, in something that they'll enjoy. Now, also out in the bush, in Tasmania's central highlands, uh, you can, as thousands of individual travelers and tourist groups do, stop at the wall in the wilderness. This is another little business, Jim. Now, suppose you are a sculptor like Greg Dun Duncan, and you want to make a 100-foot bar relief, uh, uh, a mural out of Huon Pine, beautifully workable stuff, and you want to fund it. It's expensive, and you have to eat. So what do you do? Well, what Greg Duncan did was he began the work on it, put a roof over it, began simultaneously marketing the sculpture. It was the history of Australia, and really of Tasmania, and it shows the criminal, the convict labor coming there. It shows the wild prospectors taking their chance, the mines, and digging out the riches. It showed the explorers. It, it's marvelously put together, but at the same time, he has a restaurant, and as as the it, as the work grows toward completion, people wander through, and they pay for this. It is, and it is well worth seeing, as opposed to just, like most sculptures, creating it on spec. It is a marvelous piece of putting before the public something that contributes, and at the same time paying for it with good business sense. Now, uh, if you, and, and by the way, if you want to find out the real magic of Tasmania, I suggest you tune in to City Park Radio. Uh, 
this this is an all volunteer station in the town of Lawson, Tasmania. It's 103.7, and you can catch the spirit by just visiting City Park City Park Radio dot com uh, and catch. There's you you really can pick up what Tasmania is all about. It's it's going to be it won't be missed. And as a final uh, perhaps business parable. I want to tell you about two wild wild animals that dwell in Tasmania, opposite on what I call opposite ends of the ambition scale. You have at one end you have the koala. Now, uh, the koala runs about two feet long, and it is a big teddy bear animal. It uh, you will find it in eucalyptus trees in the not branch of a eucalyptus tree probably dozing as a matter of fact the te- the koala bear spends uh 3 hours a day eating eucalyptus leaves 1 hour a day mating and 20 hours a day sleeping uh, it does this because the leaves hold very little nutrition, so he just sort of slows himself down to fit the diet. And, and I've got to tell you, this sort of lifestyle fits a lot of people. It is relaxing. It is, it is stress-free. And I always often thought, Hugh Hefner's got nothing on, on, on the koala bear. No wonder Qantas Airlines picked this up as picked the koala up as their little bear, as, as the symbol of the tranquility to be found in Tasmania. On the other end of the scale is the Tasmanian devil, also about two feet long, uh, four feet, sort of like a lean, hard bear with a snapping, hard jaw that shows absolutely no compassion, pushes its brothers and sisters out of the way, no sibling hunting, and it will devour everything from a wallaby twice its size. A wallaby can come up to your breastbone. This little two-foot animal will get it, grab it, eat it, kill it, and scavenge it and devour it all and I mean the fur and bones as well as the meat and nothing can stop this animal well what's interesting as an ironic piece both the Tasmanian devil and the koala face extinction having lived in full glory for thousands of years they are now face extinction as man expands My point is, wherever you lie on that scale, there is is an outcome. And you just have to choose to live the the best way you can when you want to. I don't. So that's a little bit of reminiscing, and I pass it on to you. And so today, as we round out uh, our feast, uh, I am Bart Jackson, your curator of business wisdom, leaving you with today's business quotation. Who was it who said... The customer is the most important visitor on our premises. We are not doing him a favor by serving him. He is doing us a favor by giving us the opportunity to serve him. And as a hint, this quotation was noted on the wall of a Tasmanian B&B where a native uh, owner truly knows the meaning of hospitality. But the individual who spoke it the leader who spoke it stood up against the entire British Empire to win justice for his nation. You see, my friend, you can't overcome a corrupt government, and 
remember, if you know the author of this quote, simply scribble that author's name down as you believe him or her to be. Send it right off to info at bartsbooks.com. That's I-N-F-O at B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S dot com to win an absolutely power-thrusting, career-changing gift from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. And as a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husband, let me to say that why is it that the people who tell you that every sunrise brings a new opportunity usually have in mind for you to fulfill their dreams and not yours? Just as, and to you who gleefully have been sharing our feast, I hope you've enjoyed The Art of the CEO as much as I've enjoyed bringing it to you. And remember, you may download this and all our shows by simply visiting theartoftheceo.com, T-H-E-A-R-T-O-F-T-H-E-C-E-O.com. And finally, to you who have honored us with your time, May I say, as always, it has been a privilege. I thank you. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.